Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Today for the meditation of scriptures, let us open the Bible to Psalm 103. If you see the Psalms 103 till 106, we see that these all focus on praising the Lord for various reasons. In Psalm 103, the psalmist uh, exhorts the people to praise the Lord for the various benefits that he has given to his people. In 104, we see because of his care that he has extended towards his creation, we are called to praise him. In 105, we see the wonderful acts that God has done on behalf of Israel and therefore we are called to praise him. In Psalm 106, we are called to praise him because of his great patience and long-suffering, even in the face of the rebellion that people have towards him. In this psalm, the psalmist exhorts the people to thank God and praise him for the various benefits that he has given to his people. And we have to remember that the blessings that God bestowed on the nation of Israel always dependent on their obedience to his covenant that he had made with them. And for us also, we realize that we enjoy God's presence and blessing in our life to the maximum extent when we are obedient to the will of God and when we are connected to him relationally. The psalmist warns the people against forgetting the Lord who gave the blessings after we have received the blessings and enjoyed them. It's the equivalent of the New Testament uh, exhortation to us uh, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In everything do give thanks to God, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The psalm is easily divided into three sections. Verses 1 to 5 is a remembrance of the various mercies of God and a personal time of thanksgiving and praise to Him. And verses 6 to 19 is a time of remembering the covenant that the children of Israel have with the Lord and uh, the blessings that come as a result of that beautiful covenant with Him. And it is almost like a national praise that happens in that section. And verses 20 to 22 talks about the realm of universal praise where all the people, the angels, the hosts of heaven all join together and praise God. Verses 1 to 5 go like this. He starts off by verses 1 and 2 which says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. To bless the Lord means to delight the heart of God by coming before him and expressing our love and gratitude for all that he is and all that he does in our lives. And he is pleased when as simple children we come before him, we thank him and we express our love for him. God is really pleased. And the true praise that comes from a real heart that is relationally connected with God and a heart that is grateful for everything that he has given in our life, that praise is much accepted in the presence of God. The psalmist exhorts the people of God to praise him with their entire heart, soul, mind and strength. As we read in Mark chapter 12 verses 28 to 31, with all that is within us, we are called to praise him. We are called to love him with all of our being. We are called to do his will with all of our being. And praise is one aspect of coming before God and thanking him. But in our life, when we consecrate ourselves to do all his will, then he continues to bless our life with his very presence. In verse 2, the psalmist exhorts himself to do not forget all the benefits that the Lord has given. And this is something very important in our spiritual life as well. We are called to remember the various blessings, count the various blessings and rehearse them in our hearts so that we will always maintain a tender attitude towards God and a thankful and grateful heart before him. 
If you look at the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, when he is giving the three speeches to his people, he reminds them to remember constantly what the Lord did for them. And many times he tells them not to forget the things that he has done for them. But we do realize that man has a natural tendency to forget the various benefits that we have enjoyed from God. And we see that uh, in the book of Judges, when the third generation of Jews who came on to the land of Canaan, when they rose up, they actually forgot what the Lord had done. They forgot the covenant of the Lord. They forgot the Lord himself. And we see the nation started falling into a spiritual decay. And then it was handed over into the hands of the various enemies for chastisement. In verses 3 to 5, the psalmist reminds the children of Israel about the various special blessings that they have received from the hand of God. We see here he forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed. We see the blessings from God here. We have forgiveness of sins. We have healing. We have redemption. We have the love of God, the steadfast love of God. We have a satisfied life and we have a renewed life. And these are the promises that are very much applicable even from a new covenant perspective. Verse 3 says he forgives all your iniquity and iniquity talks about the twisted and perverted nature of mankind and God knows and has compassion on mankind and heals even his iniquity, he forgives the iniquity of the people and we who have trusted Jesus Christ have experienced the forgiveness of God as we read so many times in the New Testament and we realize that David was a person, the psalmist David was a person who enjoyed the forgiveness of God. He writes much about it in Psalm 51 as well. And here we see God is the one who heals all your diseases. We understand that God is able to heal every disease. However, he is not obligated to do so because he is the sovereign God. He knows whom to heal. He knows whom not to heal. In his wisdom, when he chooses not to heal, we have to submit to that will of God. We have to understand that he is still the sovereign God. As we go through the various verses in the psalm, it is also good for ourselves to remember all the benefits that we have received from him and meditatively think about it and thank him. Pause, pause, pause and thank him frequently for everything that he has done in our lives. When we read the New Testament, we also understand that a believer's body will be completely delivered from weakness and disease when it is redeemed and glorified at the return of Jesus Christ. And that is something that we as believers have to look forward to. Verse 4 says, he redeems your life from the pit. And the word redemption would remind the people of God about their deliverance from the bondage of Egypt at the Exodus event. And we see the word that is used here is God rescuing someone who is about to fall into a pit. And that pit is the symbol of Sheol or hell, the world of the dead. And we understand that this is what God has done for us also. We were about to fall into that deep pit of hell, but God rescued us, snatched us out of that pit and brought us and made us stand on the rock that is Christ Jesus. In verse 4, the psalmist says, He crowns you with the steadfast love and mercy. The steadfast love and mercy of the Lord is like a crown on the believer's heads. And when David writes this, he is basically saying that crown that he is wearing, the crown of Israel, is nothing when compared to the crown of the steadfast love of God that God has placed on him. Any earthly honor that we have, any earthly position that we have is nothing when compared to the honor of having the crown of God's steadfast love placed on our head and for which we have to be so, so thankful to God.
the greatest crown that we have is the steadfast love of the Lord. It is the mercy of God. And as we read in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, we can reign in life through Christ Jesus because he is with us. We are seated with the King of Kings in the heavenly places and that consciousness should rule our life. Verse 5, he says, he satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We can have real satisfaction only in Christ Jesus. Every person without Christ has got a God-shaped vacuum inside him, a God-shaped hole that is there inside him. Until we are united with our Savior, that part of our life will never be satisfied. Our true satisfaction comes only from knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. And when we know him, that satisfies us and that renews our youth. And even an old person can soar like an eagle having experienced the spiritual strength and grace that is given by the Lord himself. In the first five verses of the psalm, the psalmist, after having remembered his personal salvation and the various benefits that he had received from the Lord, then he continues to meditate upon the various blessings that have been given to the nation of Israel because they are a covenant-keeping community before the Lord. And there in verses 6 till 8, we understand he is looking at the covenant that God made with Moses and the revelation that Moses had received from him. And he says here, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord delivered the nation of Israel and gave them justice when they were oppressed. He is the one who showed the righteous ways before him. And in verse 7 he says, He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The people of Israel knew the acts of God, what he was doing. But Moses knew the ways of God, that is why he was doing it. Because Moses had an intimate relationship with the Lord and understood the will of God. And that is something that we also need to cultivate in our life. We need to know the acts of God, but more than that, we need to know the ways of God. And the ways of God are always revealed in the word of God. And it is revealed by God to those who diligently seek him inside the scriptures. Verse 8 rehearses the revelation that God gave to Moses about his very nature that we read in Exodus chapter 34. And that shows that every encounter that Moses had with God was a time for him to recognize a new aspect of God, a new nature of God, to get some more part of God revealed to him. And he was a person who was so desirous of having the deep fellowship with God. Dearly beloved, let that be a challenge to each one of us to engage with the Lord in a more meaningful way in our prayer and in our Bible meditation so that the Lord can reveal more of his nature and ways to us. Verses 8 to 12 talk about the aspect of forgiveness of sins that we have received from the Lord. Verse 9 says, He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. The people are prone to sin. God knows that. And being a holy God, he gets angry at sin. But he also is compassionate. So he understands the people who are prone to rebellion. And he, in his compassion, he forgives them. And he knows that this is possible because he will one day send his son Jesus to die for the very sins of mankind on the cross. Verse 10 reminds us that he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities. Today, dearly beloved, we are standing because of the grace and mercy of our God, because he does not punish us in proportion to what our iniquities deserve. 
if God gave us the punishment that we deserve for every sin of ours, then we would be without hope. But the truth is, the punishment that we deserve was given to Jesus. As we read in Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 to 6, the chastisement for our peace was made on him and by his stripes we are healed, we are saved. In verse 11 he says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. David is looking up to the heavens and he sees that God's love is reaching that and going higher. He remembers the fact that God is so great in his steadfast love. And the aspect that he is underlining there is saying towards those who fear him. When we come to that healthy and reverential fear of the Lord, the Lord abounds in his steadfast love towards us. And he says in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. The transgressions are the intentional sins, the times that a person has overstepped the bounds and the laws of God. And that can include our conscious sins as well. The children of Israel used to look to the day of atonement, a day when their transgressions would be released, when a goat would be symbolically released into the wilderness that will bear the sins of Israel far away from it. And that is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. We need to remember that God's grace and God's love is actually what paid the price that we would have paid. But for the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, we would never have received the forgiveness of our sins and for which we have to be so, so thankful and happy before the Lord. Verses 13 to 14 further explore the compassionate nature of God. And he says, as a father shows compassion to his children, a deep compassion as only a father can show, so the Lord shows the compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are but dust. As a loving father, the Lord embraces us when we run to him. He forgives us our sins and cleanses us and he restores us back into fellowship and purpose with him. He knows the frailty of man. We have a high priest before God who is not untouched by the frailty of man. He was tempted in every way as we are. He has been here on this earth. He has walked the way and he has shown us the way. He knows how it is to be tempted and yet he was without sin. So he is qualified today to stand before the Father God. In the presence of God, he comes as the grand intercessor for us and intercedes for us. And because of the blessed intercession of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can boldly come before the throne of grace, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and present ourselves before the Father. In verses 15 to 18, the psalmist continues to remember the frail nature of mankind. He says, But for man his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to the children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Here on one side is the contrasted picture of the frailty of mankind. On the other side is the beautiful picture of an unchanging and eternal God. Although we are frail and we are weak, we are able to be confident that our God is eternal, unchanging and strong. As a result of that, we have that hope for eternity as well. Here the psalmist says, if you are a person who fears the Lord, then the steadfast law of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon you. He says his righteousness is given to the children's children, to those who keep his commandments and covenant and remember to do his commandments. We, we are called 
to do the very same thing. We are called to remember the covenant that we have entered into with the Lord, the new covenant that he has opened to us. Likewise, we are exhorted to keep his commandments as well. And especially in the New Testament, we understand that it is God's grace that helps us to do these three things. Number one, to fear him. Number two, to keep his commandment and uh, keep his covenant as well. Verses 19 to 22 focuses on the universal praise that the entire universe is called to give to the Lord. He says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels. You mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. When we look at these verses, in verse 19 he says, His throne is established in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. We understand, number one, the sovereignty of God and the supremacy of God. Verses 20 to 22 talk about his angels, his ministers, his hosts and his works to give glory to him and bless his holy name. Verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. It is so important to obey the word of God and his angels are the messengers of God. And when we obey the word of God, when we listen to the voice of God and respond to it, we become as an angel in the sense we take the message of God forth into other people. And we see here verse 21, he says, Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. We are called to be the hosts of the Lord, the ministers of God who are doing the will of God. And bless the Lord, all his works, all the places of his dominion, meaning the places where the Lord is exalted. And we are called to do likewise. And David summarizes the whole statement by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He is not just exhorting the other people to do this, but he says, I am going to bless the Lord, my soul. I am going to bless his holy name. I am going to make this a personal message for us. Dearly beloved, in this psalm we remember the tender mercies of God and the blessings to those who fear him and those who are in a covenant with him. We are called to praise him and bless him in all the circumstances of our life. May the Lord continue to bless us and touch us through the meditation of the scriptures.